Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Sunday School Hour here at Faith Baptist Church's Facebook Live. Let's, uh, are the kids already dismissed? Yeah, took so, yeah I guess okay. so. So let's uh, turn to Genesis chapter 1 this morning as we are starting our new section of why we believe what we believe. Can anybody take a guess as to what it might be? Doctrine? Well, it's all doctrine. So I'm not wrong. I mean, you're not right either, though. There's a pretty neutral zone yeah, you just stepped in. Man, straight up the middle. right in the middle. I don't know how you find found to stand on that fence. I did. But you did, and I'm impressed. Thank you. Because yeah. we've done Bible, right? Mm-hmm. We've done Jesus. We've done Thank you. the Lord, like God the Father. We've done God the Holy Spirit. Was there a fifth thing you forgot? There are ten areas of doctrine. I handed you like a handout oh, when we very first right. got started. Yeah. So we've done paterology, Christology, pneumatology. We've done bibliology. What's the next one? This little thumb. Who's he? Who's this guy? Jerry. Jerry. And what does Jerry do? Creationology. That's a good guess, but it's not correct. That was actually That's a solid guess, though. The Genesis 1 thing and everything. Yeah, that's a logical conclusion to come to. Genealogy? Genealogy? No. Is it like lineage? It is anthropology. Culture. It is the doctrine of mankind. That's angelology, okay. Anthropology, because think about what anthropology is in the study of science. Does anybody know what anthropology is in the study of science? Or the study of culture. Right? Anybody ever seen bones? Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Anthropology is the study of human culture. Uh-huh. And anthropology in Bible doctrine, or in theology, is the study of man as it applies to the Bible... Uh, and Christi- uh, Christianity. So when we're going to talk about the doctrine of man, what we believe to be true about people according to the Bible, we start in Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is where it all got started. Everything began in Genesis. Breathing started in Genesis. Biscuits and gravy started in Genesis. Can I get a hallelujah on that? Amen. Amen. There you go. These people never amen so hard in their life until I mention biscuits and gravy. So, let's do a let's do a little uh, a little uh, game here. Oh, I love games. Do I have any? Uh, maybe candy. Maybe you should have. Right, guys. I know it's early. Be, be handing out like carrots or something. Not quite as. Oh, you're yeah. fired. You're fired. You're very you fired. fired. You don't work junior church. <laughs> you don't get to teach junior church. I swear, if I see a carrot stick in that classroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's the correct answer, Billy. You get celery. That's right. right. <laughs> you get if you win enough, you can make soup. <laughs> Here's your chicken stock. <laughs> Josh goes. Here's your chicken stock. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. You know what I meant to do? Well, we need to work on this next Saturday, now that I'm getting distracted, is I have another microphone that I want to set up over on the side. Oh, yeah. 
and it's like a, it's not a condenser. It's like picks up the whole area, so that they can hear you guys sort of vaguely, not real well, not uncomfortably for you guys, but just like audience. But just so they know that there's humans in the room, and like when we go to play Family Feud, they might be able to hear you guys answer, stuff like that. So we'll play with that this coming Saturday. Try to get that figured out, but. Who knows what was created on day one? We'll start off easy. Heaven and Earth. No. Damn. In the beginning. No, that was in the beginning. That was before day one. No. Who knows what day one was? Light and dark, right? Hershey's? No, you're not a chocolate guy. I'm not a chocolate guy. That's fine. Oh, Starburst? Actually, yes. Should have seen the eyeballs on that man when I said Starburst. They were like those anime characters. <laughs> yes! <laughs> day two. Who knows what day two was? Now, you guys, I, I, know. I, I know. have had children that can answer these questions better. Come on. I think I can know this one. Well, wake up. Is it the, the seas? Incorrect. Oh. Yeah. The land. Incorrect. Good guesses. All good guesses. The animals. Incorrect. I couldn't create the animals without the land and the sea first. Did you create the wind? Incorrect. Uh, let there be a ferment in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. That is what the verse says. Fish in the sea? No. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> God called the firmament heaven. Oh, uh, day and night? And God made the firmament... And divided the waters. Right, you know what? I'm giving myself a Hershey's bar because I know the answer. It is the, the water sack, the vapor canopy. Oh, oh. I would have never gotten that. You just read it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I understood it. No. Yeah, I understood it. Which is why I'm here. Yes. So firmament means water sack? The firmament is the space between. Okay. Um, then he made the land. There's a water above the firmament and a water below the firmament. The water above the firmament is what he created. That's the vapor canopy, oh, which see. created the greenhouse effect on the earth that made everything grow and live longer. It made everything grow bigger. There was more food. Uh, people lived hundreds of years. Noah's father was 969 years old when he died. This is all because of the greenhouse effect on the earth. I'm not going to get distracted. I was about to I'm say, not going to get distracted. Okay, can you go, uh, I know you just said it, but I'm writing it down. Day one was what? The vapor, or uh, day one was light and darkness. Okay. Okay, so, and then day two was, what well, this part wasn't supposed to take this long, but I'm glad we're going back over this. <laughs> Sorry. This is evidently useful information. Right. So, uh, day two was the water vapor sack. canopy. Water sack, the vapor canopy, yes. All right. Day three. That was the land and the sea. That is correct. Skittles? Yes. You realize you're just capping your brother up on sugar. Uh, that is my job here, yes. It's fine. I'm still eating my biscuit. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> correct. All right. Did you, are you eating both of those? Yeah, I told you. I wow. I'm surprised. Alright, day four. Animals. No. Birds. No. Plants. No. The, the sun and the moon. We did so. The sun and the moon and stars. The stars. You want Hershey's? Oh, yes. Oh, four is stars and moon? The yep. sun, the moon, and the stars. Oh. 
Yeah, so I think what you're hurting your brain is we had light before we had the sun. Yeah, and then my brain short-circuited. Right. <laughs> um, Jesus. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, there are other sources of light. Right. Oh, also, really cool. he could have created light without there being a source. Exactly, yeah. I mean, like... Yeah. The, the laws of physics don't work. Right, the laws of physics work the way they do because he told them to. If he told them to work differently, they would do that. So... A lot of things I don't understand scientifically. I understand them by faith, and I'm like, Jesus. I'm okay with you know. No. I'll uh, I'll have him explain. I think a lot of what God was doing with Adam when they were walking in the garden in the cool of the day was he was like explaining to Adam how the universe works. Very cool. So, you know, that's what I think. Is it kind of like when uh, Job got shown creation? Kind of. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's, but I, I, a much nicer way. Much nicer. He was scale. not happy with Joe. So, Joe, where are you? Spoiler alert! Yeah. You we haven't gotten that. Far. Yeah, we haven't gotten that far in our Job series. So, for those of you guys following along, sorry. Sorry. Spoiler uh, alert. Spoiler yeah. alert. But if Josh knew that happens, I'm assuming most of you did too. No offense, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so day four was the sun, the moon, and the stars. Day five. The animals. Um, let's see, specifically which animals? Uh, whales and every living creature that moveth. <laughs> he specifically said whales in the Bible? Yeah, yeah. Great, whales. great whales. And every living creature that moveth. There's and every oh, God just really liked whales. And birds. Or Moses for writing the Oh, yeah, whoever it was, yeah. was like, dude, they're whales and like everything else, but like they're yeah. whales. <laughs> It's funny to me how reading through the Bible, like you can certainly see God's authorship, but also like, like Moses who wrote the book, you can sort of see his personality through this. It's like there were whales, and there were other things, but guys, <laughs> whales. <laughs> yeah. Um, so day five was not just efficiency. The sea life. It was the birds. Oh, birds and the sea life. Oh. Okay. So, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Ryan. What do you want, Ryan? You want a Kit Kat? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. That's not what you want. Do you want a Starburst? Kit Kat works. Chocolate. Chocolate. Because you didn't get as excited as Josh did. You didn't turn into an anime character. I'm still asleep. Okay. <laughs> it's too early for candy for some people. I get that. <laughs> for some people. Some people. <laughs> All right. So, on day six. Mankind. Cattle, well, okay. creeping things. Right. Because on day five, what we created was things that fly and things that swim. Mm -hmm. Right? So on day six, it's the last day of creation. So what's not here? The land animals. The land animals and what else? People. People. Exactly. Mankind. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. So what we have is... Uh, I noticed you didn't answer any questions, Dad, which is unlike you. I feel like that's because I don't have any snacks for you. <laughs> yeah, we're feeling chocolate. Yeah. I'll, uh, you tell me More the snacks. snacks you would get excited throwing, being thrown into your head. Sun chips. I will get you some sun right. chips, I guess. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, do you want celery? <laughs> we can, we can throw some carrot sticks. <laughs> Does anybody want celery? Nobody wants celery now. Um, so, yeah, so. Day five is where the land animals are created, and that's where man is created. Day six. Or day six, I mean, yeah. And so we see uh, in verse 26 of Genesis 1, God said, let us make man 
in our image and after our likeness. So this goes back to another doctrine we talked about with paterology, right? That here in Genesis, in Genesis 1, God is using plural pronouns, right? He didn't say, let me make man in my image, right? He said, let us make man in our image. So we see the Trinity or the triunity, the better term, right here in Genesis 1. Because we see in the first verse it says God, singular, created the heaven and the earth. And then we see in verse 26 of the very same chapter, he's speaking in the plural. Right? So we see the three oneness of God even right here in Genesis 1 in the very beginning. But in relation to mankind, how this applies to us, it says, let us make man in our image. Talking about God. And there will be some people that tell you, and I'm not one that believes this way, but there will be some people that tell you that this doesn't mean that God looks like a human being. Right? This doesn't mean that when God created man in our image, he created man uh, to look like what God looks like. They'll tell you that God is a spirit. That means he doesn't look like anything. Right. He's a, that he's just some sort of an ambiguous, you know, spiritual existence. That he doesn't actually physically exist, so therefore he doesn't have uh, a, a physical existence uh, form that he looks like. I don't think that's true. And I think where people's disconnect is, is because they can't see spiritual things. And for some, even Christians, I can't see it. It must not really exist. Right? Right? So I can't see God's physical presence because God is a spirit. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. If he's a spirit, he's not real. So therefore, he doesn't actually have a physical shape. That's not the way that works. Just because God is a spirit doesn't mean that he doesn't really exist. Right? right? We can't perceive the spiritual world. That does not mean it does not take a shape. You can see all throughout the Bible times where God revealed himself to people. Now, I wouldn't go to the Psalms for that because that is a lot of allegory, right? And when it talks about the arm of God reaching out upon somebody or something like that, or the eyes of God being upon somebody, a lot of that is poetic, right? So it's not very literal in that way. However, something that is literal is when you go to, and I'm getting so distracted here, but I'm enjoying it, so I'm going to go with it. When you go to the book of Exodus, and Moses is with God on top of Mount Sinai, Moses asks God for something there. He asks to see the face of God. Remember that? He wanted to be able to look upon God himself, which means that God must have a primary visible expression of some kind. Because God tells Moses that no man may look upon me and live. Right? So that means that there is a visible expression of God that you cannot look directly at and survive. So God has a presence, an existence, a shape of some kind. He looks like something. And then also as you continue reading, God's sort of compromise to Moses is that 
uh, I will, you can see my hinder parts as I'm walking away. You won't die from that. But if you looked at the front part of me, you would die. But if you look at my hinder parts, you will live. God has hinder parts. That's not an allegory. That is a literal story that happened with the author of the first five books of the Bible. That's as real as anything else in here. That's as real as Abraham. That's as real as anything else in here. So God has a physical expression of some kind. So that tells me when he says, let us make man in our image, that the human being is a similar sort of physical expression to what God looks like. And not just in the form of Jesus Christ, but in the most literal form of God. Because if Moses were to look upon the face of God, he would have died. But he could look at the back of God. He could look at God's back and not die. So when it says, let us make man in our image, I do believe that it is a literal thing. That makes the most sense to me from what Scripture tells us. Now, what a lot of people will also say is that when it says, let us make man in our image, that we are moral creatures and we're emotional creatures like God is. I do find those things also to be true. God is a, is a moral being. He does things because they're the right thing to do. right? They, he does things because he cares about human beings and he has compassion and so forth, but he's also an emotional being. We see him many times get angry at Israel. We saw Moses have to talk God off a ledge from destroying all of Israel and starting over with Moses. That was an actual thing that happened in the book of Exodus, that God is ready to just wipe out Israel because of their sin and just start over with Moses. And Moses is praying with God, pleading with him to pardon Israel. And he does. So we see that God is an emotional being as well. A being of great wrath, but also a being incapable of great positive emotion as well, like love. Uh, we see the pain that the father endured uh, when his son was on the cross. And as he had to turn from Jesus who became sin for us, uh, we see God get upset about that. That's why you see the earth shook. And all these things happen that uh, it says that dead people were rising up out of the tombs because God uh, had an emotional fit. And that was the effect. That dead people were coming back to life and the earth was shaking and that's when the temple, the veil of the temple rent in half. And all these things happened because God got upset uh, when his son became sin and died as sin. So he's an emotional being like we are. And so those things are true, but I, I feel like this is referring mostly to the physical expression that is God. Uh, he says also, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. You will have some Christians that will use this, that will take this verse and use it to say, I can do whatever I want to to animals. Right? Uh, now, I'm not, talking to, I'm not talking down about hunters. Hunters are great lovers of nature. You know, we need hunters in order to survive uh, the species and so forth. Because if one species overpopulates, then the other species hurt. As a matter of fact, 
on that same line. You guys remember back in the 90s when you'd see those specials about the baby sea turtles on the beach and they'd be trying to make it to the water and you'd always remember that the person doing the, the episode or whatever it was would always say now it's important as hard as it is as it is it's important for us not to interfere right because if we were to try to save these sea turtles it would upset the balance of nature and if we just let nature take its course nature knows how to take care of itself you know what species is now an endangered species the sea turtle it's almost like God created this world for us to be a part of. You know, they almost act like we crash landed on an alien spaceship and we're not really supposed to be here. It's like, well, their planet kind of had their own thing going on. We'll just kind of stand inside and watch it happen. It's like, no, we're a part of this world too. Like the prime directive on the Star Trek. Right, exactly. It is uh, actually usually broken by most of the people on Star Trek. So, yeah, yeah. yeah you have to get involved. There's a moral... I'm getting distracted. <laughs> but uh, this verse is used by people who take it too far, right? Uh, poachers, you know, or people who sort of abuse their animals, abuse mm -hmm. their pets. Guys that will have their dog chained up in the front yard, you know, that'll kind of starve it because they don't pay attention to it. That'll kick their dogs around and stuff. And they'll say, oh, it's just an animal. We're people, you know. We're we're far more important than the animal. They're just they're just animals. And you hear a lot of people quote this verse and say, "We have dominion over the animals, right? We're the people. We have dominion." This is in Genesis one, right? You know what happens in Genesis three? He kills him. Oh, is that where the Noah thing happens? No. Okay. That's chapter six. Oh. Genesis three. Genesis one creation. Genesis 2 is the creation of man, where he goes into more detail about how man was created. We're going to get into that here in a second. What is Gen What would Genesis 3 be? Is that when Cain slew? No, that's before that. Something happened between where man was created and where Cain killed Abel. Uh, the fall. The fall of man. Uh, original sin. Yeah. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and all that. Man falls from grace. Genesis is right. And in that moment, we lose a lot of things, right? We lose eternal life, right? Because death wasn't a thing until sin was a thing. So pain wasn't a thing, right? Uh, thorns weren't a thing. Did you know that? Uh, all these thorn bushes and stuff, they didn't exist before sin, right? The world was a perfect utopia. There was no pain. There was none of those things. There was plenty of food to go around. The world existed beautifully and nearly perfectly. Right? And so when man fell, things changed. One of the curses was things don't grow by themselves anymore. By the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread until thou return to the dust of the ground. We're going to talk about that a little bit more when we get there. But another one of the things was and especially at the end of the flood, is that mankind no longer holds dominion over the animal kingdom. I fully believe, when you, and I've said this before, when you study Genesis 2, it really seems like animals used to be able to talk. We think that's crazy? People think that's crazy? A few people I could see thinking that's crazy. Nuts. Jesus. Right? Yeah. Like, the serpent... Right, is talking to Eve and she doesn't go, oh my gosh, a talking serpent. Mm -hmm. 
That would have been my reaction, right? I would have been like, how are you talking right now? Something's a, clearly something is going on that's not normally going on. You're the first animal I've ever spoken to. How am I able to speak to you? Like, if we think Eve is dumb enough to be like, oh, well, come here, snake, and I'll tell you. Like, how many of you guys would go to your garden, like see a snake in the garden, and it goes, um, excuse me, can you not plant that there? I'd rather it be on the other side of the garden. And you'd be like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize you had taken up space here. I'm going to go to the other side of the garden. You'd be like, oh my gosh, talking snake, I need to imprison you and sell you to a zoo so I can make a lot of money. Right? Like, so, that would be something weird. Mm-hmm. Same day. Nothing weird. So, it's possible all the animals are able to talk. Also, how weird for an animal to talk. Where would you ever hear of something like that? Balaam's donkey? God makes an animal talk there, right? Uh, parrots? Just in everyday life? Just, people, just yeah, just, parrots? Yeah, just parrots, you know? Uh, people have taken videos of like cats mm-hmm. kind of saying words. So is it, is it that big a stretch to think that God could put within these creatures the ability to communicate? I don't think it is. So as crazy as it may sound, that is as incredible a world as we used to have. Uh, Anybody ever heard of the Chronicles of Narnia? Uh, In those movies, in those books, the animals in those books talk, right? They said, well, lost Josh. Okay, never mind. They don't talk, Josh. You can come back. I got to move the car. No, I can't get out. I'm just playing. (laughs) Um, That was inspired... Uh, C.S. Lewis was inspired by the Bible to add that in because a lot of people think that's the way it was in Genesis 1. And so we see that they had dominion over the animals means that they could command the animals to do what they told them to. You horse, you go take those over there and you and the horse would say okay and go do it. That's what dominion was. We lost that in Genesis 3 and even more so in Genesis 6 where it said animals are now afraid of you. Right, in Genesis 3, I believe, is where they lost the ability to communicate. In Genesis 6 is where they're now constantly afraid we're going to eat them. And so, we no longer have the same kind of dominion over the animal kingdom we used to. We are, however, responsible for being caretakers of the planet that God left us with. So, verse 27 says, God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them and God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth oh yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) hey listen there's nothing wrong with it no there's not and we're going to talk about it be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That's a commandment from God. Do you guys blush when we talk about thou shalt not steal? We're talking about a husband and his wife. There's nothing more holy in all the world. Sex is not a sin. Between a husband and his wife. Right? The reason we don't talk about it is because fornication is a sin. If you're not married yet, you're not to engage in that. Right? Uh, If you're engaging in that with somebody who's not your spouse, that's a sin. Right? You and that one person that you're married to, that's it. 
and you get one per person, right? These guys were out here and marry three or four women at a time. That's not right either. One man and one woman, one husband and his wife, and it's okay. There's nothing sinful about it. There's nothing wrong with it. I see a lot of people, you guys on Facebook, there's a lot of eye contact not being made right now. <laughs> this is, and we need to get to a place where we stop thinking of this as so wrong, because it's not. It's the reason that when a young woman or a young man gets married, they struggle, especially these Christian couples. I can't tell you how many Christian young couples I've counseled that struggle with this early on in their life where even between her and her husband, they feel like they're doing something wrong. And it causes friction in the marriage. And I want people to understand, nothing inherently sinful about it. And when we treat it like there is, is when it starts to become a bigger problem. Right, and you're, you're sitting here saying, you, you're saying that that should be comfortable. What? It's like, yeah, because that's what the Bible says. Right, this isn't my opinion, this is what God put in here. <coughs> There's nothing sinful about a husband and a wife being fruitful, multiplying, and replenish the earth. It's a commandment by God right here. Imagine if Adam and Eve felt that uncomfortable about it. Well, that'd have been a that'd have been a quick run for the human race, wouldn't it? Well, that was a good try. Let's try somebody else, I guess, now, you know. We need to understand this because it's causing a lot of trouble for a lot of people. So they were to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat and to every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and so forth. And then we come into chapter 2. So turn with me to chapter 2 real quick. And what we see in chapter 2 at the very beginning is a sort of a summary of chapter 1. And then it goes into greater detail about what we see in verse 26 of chapter 1. Right. So we see uh, the detail of God's creative work for humankind. Right? And we're going to see how when God created mankind, it's very different than the way he created everything else. And we're going to see that. And it says in uh, verse 7. I'm sorry, let's start in verse 6. It says, There went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. So you could almost picture in my mind here with the mist over the whole face of the earth, I almost picture like a sculptor working with clay and sort of just sculpting each detail of the first human being so perfectly. And uh, knowing since he was of the, the dust of the ground, that was probably the color of Adam's skin, was whatever color the dirt was or the ground was. And so he's forming, and I, you must imagine perfectly sculpting this, this almost lifelike uh, sort of statue. And he's shaping each finger, carefully uh, shaping the head and, and the hair, the nostrils and the nose and the mouth and everything, just so 
carefully and so full of detail, God hand-making Adam. No other creature in all of creation was given so much effort and detail by God as the human being. And think about this too. When God created, what was it first? The birds. He didn't just create one bird. He created multitudes of birds, right? Huge numbers of birds, of each kind of bird. When God created the fish, he didn't just create one whale, right? He created, evidently, many whales, as Moses was evidently so excited about. <laughs> when God created the land animals, he created multitudes of land animals. But when he creates the human being, he creates one. One person. That indicates to us the personal nature of the human being to our Creator God. Right? Everything else was in large multitudes. Even planets were made in large multitudes, right? Stars, suns were made in large multitudes. Moons made in large multitudes. There was only one thing that was created as an individual and created with such care and precision. And that was the human being. And it shows to us how much God cares about us as people. And then that verse continues on in verse 7. It says, And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So what we see here is that God breathes into this lifeless statue and breathe, literally breathes life into his uh, clay figure here. He finishes sculpting this, this first human being. He breathes on it and it comes to life. And it begins to move and it begins to blink and it begins to move its hands. It begins to speak for the first time, the first human being. Man became a living soul walking and talking with God. The first creation. And it reminds me a lot of something we spoke about a few weeks ago. Does anybody remember uh, when we were talking about the Holy Spirit? We were talking about, it is my fault, I did give you the candy, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> but we were talking about the Holy Spirit and when Jesus first gave the Holy Spirit there with the disciples in that room. Remember that story? Uh, the Lord appears. It was after his death. It was He had resurrected, and he's appearing before the disciples for the very first time. Right? Remember that? Doubting Thomas wasn't there. And remember, Jesus says, Peace be unto you. Right? Now, does anybody remember how the Holy Spirit was given in that moment? Okay. I'll go ahead and tell you. He breathes on them. The Bible tells us that Jesus breathes on the disciples there and they receive the Holy Spirit. Mm. Right? So there's a correlation here you can see. Because in Genesis 1, God breathes into Adam the breath of life. Right? In the same way that Jesus breathes 
on the disciples as they received the Holy Spirit for the first time. Life being given by the breath of God. We were given life in the Old Testament by God breathing into the nostrils the breath of life and we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament by the Lord Jesus breathing as well. So we became a living soul there in verse 7. And then we come down, we're going we're gonna to skip a little bit of chapter 2 because we're not here for the story of the garden. And we need to come to uh, verse 20. Because that's the first creation, that's the creation of man. Now we're going to look at woman and when she was created. And the nature of how the woman was created tells us a lot about the way God intended for a woman to be treated. It says in verse 20, Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. You want to hear something funny? There was this preacher. I won't name him out loud, but you will all know who I'm talking about. During when he would perform a wedding, some of you are already beating me to the punchline. <laughs> he would talk about you know, the, the coupling up of animals that Adam saw as he was naming all the animals here. And what this preacher would do is he would say, what else would you know to call a zebra but a zebra? What else would you know to call uh, a dog but a dog? Adam did such a good name naming the dog, dog. He, he did such a good job naming the zebra, zebra. And I'm like, Oh, man. Because anybody who's read their Bible all the way through knows that the Tower of Babel's a thing, right? And whatever the original language was, it wasn't English. Right? He didn't name it a zebra. <laughs> you know, he didn't name it a dog. That's not what he did. And that's just always so funny to me to think about. But he named all the animals. He gave them special names that we have lost. We don't know what those names were, but I bet they were really cool. Uh... They're no longer known to us because of the Tower of Babel. But he's looking at all these animals and he's noticing that they each have a mate. A male has a female. A male has a female. And a male has a female with every species. And so it says, for Adam, there in verse 20, there was not found an helpmeet for him. And it says in verse 21, he, he notices this. This thought pops into his head. He has a desire for the female of his species. He doesn't want to be alone. Verse 21, we see the world's first surgery. Hmm. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Now, this is why God's a better doctor than any other doctor. Because anytime a surgeon comes into the room, you know who else comes with him? An anesthesiologist. Because there's another doctor there for the sole purpose of keeping you asleep while your chest is cracked open like a walnut. Because you don't want to wake up and be like, ah! <laughs> that would be horrible. Right? So there's a doctor specifically for that. <laughs> God didn't need an anesthesiologist. Right? Yeah. He was able to keep... Adam unconscious while he took one of his ribs 
He said, well, he's God. Couldn't he have just like poofed it out of his body and showed it up here? Well, he didn't because it said he took a rib, took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. So he opened Adam up, took a rib out and closed it back up again. Oh World's first surgery there. Mm. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, uh, yeah, had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto Adam. Now this is telling. It was a rib. Have you ever wondered why it was a rib? He could have taken a bone from any part of Adam's body, right? But he chose the rib. Why a rib? What is so special about a rib that he would put a human equal to uh, Adam from a rib? You know, you got lots of bones in your hands. You got lots of bones like in your neck and vertebrae and so forth. You got lots of bones in your feet. Why a rib? I think it's an indicator, right? It, it's supposed to teach us something. And I think I know what that is. You see, the ribs are in the side, right? He could have taken a bone from the foot. Like we said, there's lots of little bones in, those, in our feet. But God did not want us to think that women belonged at our feet. Right? That women were not to be under our feet, were not to be below us, beneath us. So it's not supposed to be in the feet. He could have taken one of our spinal vertebrae, right? But God didn't want us to think that the women were supposed to be above us either. Right? They're not supposed to be telling us what to do and being lords over us. We're not to be at their feet either. It's from the rib. Right? It's from the side. It's a place of equality. It's near the heart. A woman is supposed to be treated like an equal. And a woman is supposed to be treated with great care and love by her husband. That's why it's near the heart. And this is all very telling to us. Because guys... It's important to treat your wife well. Treat her with respect. Treat her with love. It is important to treat her right. Not just because that's how you keep your wife, but because it's the right thing to do. It's what God wants us to do. And also, ladies, we're going to talk about being treated as equals. It's equals, right? It's expecting to be treated the way you treat Right? So if you're going to nag your husband, expect to be nagged back. Could you ever imagine a world in which, and I could never imagine Amanda let me get away with this at all, <laughs> where I come to her and I say, Honey, why aren't the dishes done? You know how fast I'd be hurled across that living room? I heard groans in the audience. Yeah, because they know Amanda. I'd be a human bowling ball. Let me tell you something. You guys don't need to worry about Amanda being mistreated. She takes care of that. Uh, not that she needs to, but like she's ready. You know, she, When we were very early dating, she would let me know. These are the things I expect not to happen. Um, I'm hoping Lizzie will get a lot of that. You know, but... 
if you like there's a lot of groans there's a lot of oh you don't do that you don't tell like a woman <laughs> go do the dishes or go do the laundry or whatever but you will in a heartbeat go give your husband a honeydew list okay yeah now I see faces being buried <laughs> right that's not equality Amen. right equality is if you're going to give us a hard time about the way we look when we go to go out like, could you ever imagine a guy being like, really, you're going to wear that dress? Could you ever imagine a husband doing it? Like, he got dead silent in here. People were uncomfortable. I've never done that, guys. I'm not that stupid, okay? Besides, I think Amanda looks great no matter what she does. But, but could you ever imagine, like, and then your husband's going to come out, and yes, he might be wearing the flannel shirt with the shorts, you know, the socks and the flip-flops wearing the fanny pack. That might be what he's rocking that day. <laughs> But you know what? We are expected to support you no matter what you look like coming out of that closet, right? You look beautiful. I, like some, some women don't even want you to look. It's like a reflex, you know? Do I look good? Yes, you do. You look great. I don't even need to look. I just know you. You're a good person. Yes, you look great. Right? Could you, like, could you ever imagine a guy doing that way to a girl? You know, we'll come out of there and you'll be like, you're not wearing that. You're not wearing that out. You're not wearing that out with me. That's not happening. You're not doing that. Can you imagine a guy doing that? Honey, you're not wearing that. I'm not going out with you wearing that. You need to go change again. There's no way that guy comes out of the bedroom alive. Right? Just start sending funeral, funeral flowers now. That's not equality. Right? So if we're going to talk about mankind here, we're going to talk about being treated as equals. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, Right? So men, you treat your women right. Treat them with respect. Treat them with equality. Treat them with love and kindness. Ladies, treat your man how you want to be treated. Right? If we're going to talk about equality, let's be equals. Right? From the rib, from the side. And then we see the curses. He says unto Adam, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, thou hast eaten of the tree, uh, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return to the dust of the ground. Return, uh, yeah, return unto the ground. Now there's a lot of people, and before we close today, I just want to talk about this. There's a lot of people out there that say that a man isn't supposed to eat if he isn't going to work. And they quote this verse. And I don't think that's what God was going for here, right? Read the context, folks. What he's talking about here is he's saying that if you are going to grow food to not starve to death, you're going to have to work at it now because it just happened for Adam, right? He didn't plant those trees. He didn't work on keeping those things alive. They took care of themselves. All he did was wake up and grab some fruit, right? We're talking about gardening now. We're talking about farmers now. Farmers have very difficult jobs now because of Adam. Right? So that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about if a man doesn't have a job, he's not allowed to eat. That's not what God was saying here. Like, you got to eat, right? You got you to gotta have a job. You got to pay for food. You have to survive, right? I heard recently, and I'm, again, I'm not going to name any names, but I heard recently a couple of teenagers that were talking about one of them had just quit a job. And then she, she went, yeah, I don't think working's for me. I don't think I'm one of those people that works. <laughs> I said this to my mom, and she goes, well, is she the kind of person that eats? <laughs> you know, because that's how that works. You want food, you have to pay for it, right? And so, yes, I think that is important, but I don't think we need to be um, 
continuing with this male um, sort of stigmatism of the man is supposed to be the one that provides for the family and the man is supposed to be the one that brings home the bread. I don't see that in scripture. Nothing wrong with a woman working. I'm trying to pastor a church here. There are times where Amanda has had to work when I couldn't find work, and there's nothing wrong with that. A pastor we just left uh, from one of the churches we were at recently, uh, his wife made more money than he did for a long time. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so yes, I think if you're going to eat, you should learn to provide for yourself. I think standing on your own two feet is important. But I think we shouldn't use this as an opportunity to judge people. This isn't talking about going out and finding a job, right? This isn't talking about resumes and ties and 401ks. This is talking about, I need to grow wheat so that I can eat bread and not die, right? So let's take the context for what it is. That is all the time and more that I have for this this morning. We'll be back next week for more on our anthropology series, why we believe what we believe about humans. And we'll be back at five after for the morning service. Thank you.